Alright, so the day Apple, yeah, the guy who makes your iPhone and iPad and all that stuff, they announced their financial reports for the first quarter of fiscal 2015, ending in December 27, 2014. Alright, so basically they record, they told us their first quarter results. Alright, they had revenues of $74.6 billion and recorded a net profit of eighteen. billion billion and that gives them a gross margin of 39.9%, okay? But let's look at that number, 74.6 billion. That means that if Apple was a country and they had just their earnings for one quarter, they would be the 60 about the 65th country on GDP, which means gross domestic product, which means that just for one quarter of earnings, one quarter of revenue, Apple would be bigger than approximately 80 countries in their GDP for the whole year. So just their just their one quarter of revenue is bigger than the, the GDP for the entire year of countries like Cuba, Libya, Burma, Syria, Kenya, Croatia, Bulgaria, Sudan. Like, this is crazy. Are you ready to break an entrepreneurial sweat? Get revved up for success with Business Bootcamp Podcast. And your host, Mike Andy. Hey everyone, welcome to Business Bootcamp Podcast. It's my pleasure today to welcome Lindsay Brownson on the show. How are you doing, Lindsay? I'm really good. How are you, Mike? I'm doing great. And I want you to share with our listeners a little bit about yourself and kind of your journey to where you are today. Okay, sounds good. So um, right now, I am in for of the last three years, I've been the creative director of a company called Spark Collaborative. And we are a branding agency for small businesses. We help people sort of identify who they are and who their businesses are and create the messages that will then connect them to the people that they really want to serve. So um, my journey has, <laughs> has been long. I think most of us discover that when we hit our 20s to 30s, that this actually is a journey and that there's a lot of different components to it. Um, I've always been creative. I've always been into personal development and enrichment and just figuring out the ways to be our, our best selves. Um, and so my path along that way has um, included a lot of hard lessons and exciting um, pivots, I guess. And I, we've been able to sort of bring all of that into our message in our business to show other entrepreneurs that, you know, that is in fact a process and there's, um, there's a lot of great things to be had from learning these lessons. So what did you do before you started Spark Collaborative? I have done a lot of things. Um, the, the business that I had directly before Spark was um, an e-commerce company called Redefine Home. And our mission was to help people... Um, develop a home that really was a curated place that they felt their best. And so we sold, um, we did interior design and we sold home furnishings and we did that for a couple of years. It was my husband and I. Um, and then before that, I have been an interior designer for about eight years and I went to school for marketing and graphics and um, storefront design and fashion and all kinds of other things. <laughs> Awesome. So what was kind of like the catalyst to making you become an entrepreneur and, and kind of getting out of the nine to five? 
Um, I've always, without necessarily knowing that an entrepreneur was my path, I've always known that a nine to five was not a good fit for me. Um, and so I grew up in the Midwest where the, the work ethic values are taught very strongly. Um, and I always really felt out of place. I never enjoyed the jobs that I had. And I always kind of felt like, when am I going to grow up and accept this and, you know, just, and be okay with bosses. And, you know, I, the catalyst, I guess, was sort of figuring out that because I didn't feel like that was a good fit, that it wasn't. And there, there had to be another way to do that. And so being an entrepreneur was sort of the, the solution, the answer to all of the questions that I had been asking my entire life. Cool. So before we kind of get started, can you tell us a little, a little bit more about Spark Collaborative and what you guys kind of do over there? Yeah, absolutely. So um, like I said, we're a branding agency, which at its core is really about um, like honing in on the specific unique aspects that each business has to offer. And because we work with small companies, um, we're really into personal stories and kind of like how you are asking questions about how I got here. That's a lot of what we do in the early stages with our businesses is we try and figure out who the actual people behind the business are and the people that they want to connect with. And we create all of the stuff around that that is required to make those connections. So we develop the, the graphic identity. We do the graphic design. We develop websites. Um, we do consulting. We help with marketing and copywriting and all of the stuff that goes along with them really getting that message right and getting it cohesive in all the different formats that you know small businesses need to connect with their audience today yeah and i looked at some of like the websites or the their portfolio and it, it really shows your background in interior design and kind of design colors all that. like why is that so important Lindsay? especially for online companies the whole design aspect and the aesthetics of what a website or an online experience looks like well, I think there's sort of two things. The The first one is that people really, um, because there's so much going on in our world today, we don't have a lot of brain power to give to anything unless we're truly captivated by it. So design is a good way to make that initial impression really quickly. Um, and, you know, the, the other side of that, I guess they're sort of connected, is that the marketplace is totally different now. Um, and people have really stepped up their game. A lot of small businesses are um, really rocking it with their brand and with their web presence. And it's not okay anymore for companies to just have outdated information um, and websites that look like they haven't been touched in 10 years because that's really, um, it's counterproductive for a company because of the standard that's been set at this point. Awesome. And yeah, for all our listeners out there, you can go on Lindsay's blog at sparkcollaborative.com. And I was on there earlier today, actually, and I was looking at kind of a five-part process she lays out for revving it up. And I kind of wanted to go over that, Lindsay, because we're starting out 2015, and I know a lot of business owners are kind of looking forward and then also kind of looking back to what 2014 kind of held for them and their business. And so I kind of want to walk through those uh, five parts. And so the first part is review and assess. Can you kind of elaborate on that a little bit, and then we'll go through these? Sure, absolutely. Yeah, so Rev It Up is a series that I think my first year in business, towards the end of the year, makes sense, um, I wanted to be able to kind of outline the process that we like to use for companies. And so this is actually the third year that I've run this process, and I have on my blog, 
And so I really, I think I've really refined it to a place that makes a lot of sense for businesses, um, you know, and, and can get you to get a lot done in a short amount of time. It's only five parts, right? So um, part one, so the review and assess is really about taking stock with what is working, what feels good, and what doesn't feel good to kind of get like, you know, you're taking your temperature. So, um, and more than anything, I think it's carving out that space. Um, with a lot of business owners, I mean, we're really busy people, right? And we have a lot going on, and we're forward thinkers, and we're, we really want to push, push, push to the next thing. And so by starting with review and assess, we're really, like, taking the time and making it an important part of growing your business to stop and look at everything and say, okay, how am I doing? How does this feel? Is this the direction that I even want to go? Awesome. So I think that's good too for, you know, like I said, looking back on 2014, kind of reviewing, assessing how that goes. All right, but let's move on to part two. And that is your vision and about bigger thinking creates better results. Can you kind of delve into that a little bit? Sure. Yeah. So um, in creating your vision, I mean, most people have kind of a vague idea of what it is that they want. I mean, you know, we want freedom, we want to make more money, or we want to travel, or, you know, we know these things kind of offhand. Um, But actually creating a vision um, that is specific and has kind of tangible results that you can measure against is the best way to create that growth quickly and to get the results that you want to see quickly. Um, so bigger thinking creates better results is basically saying like, okay, in 2015, for instance, I could probably hit, you know, this goal in my sales. Or I could say, what do I really want out of my business overall and have that sort of bigger picture vision and then step back a few a few notches to figure out how you're going to get there rather than, you know, just setting something that's arbitrary and sort of um, easy to achieve. So I'm pushing people with their vision to really go for what it is that you want and not just what you think you can probably get to because... <laughs> That's great. And I, you know, I want people to be realistic, but I think that um, the motivation behind the bigger vision is what really propels you forward. What, what's sort of the key behind setting that bigger goal other than just a goal that you know you can obtain? Like what's the, the logic behind that? Um, it's really personal motivation. I think that, you know, when you have an idea that feels exciting, but also out of your comfort zone, um, you are more likely to want to get there or to do the little things along the way that will get you there. Whereas, you know, it's, it's a lot easier to have, I should probably come up with a specific example. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It's a lot easier to just, you know, go along with the, the regular like business activities over a period of time, especially I find like January to March, we have really big aspirations, but if we don't define them, we just sort of fall back into the same patterns that we were doing in 2014, which may not be bad for your business. They just may not be as helpful um, in pushing you along to playing a bigger game. Awesome. I kind of, I think that kind of rolls into part three too about setting specific goals. And it's funny I, I, when I read it because it was actually just yesterday I was up in Canada. I was uh, speaking at a high school and we talked about goals and we had them all write down specific goals for like the next year, the next five years and did some other stuff with about goals with them. But can you kind of outlay that for business owners about setting specific goals? Yeah, absolutely. So I kind of break goals down into two parts. And the first is, again, those bigger pictures 
circles. So um, those can be like the overarching themes basically for your year. So say you really want to bring in a certain amount of revenue that year or you really want to release um, a book or you want to run an online course or you want some kind of like media tour, whatever that kind of big goal is, that's the overarching theme. And then all of the other specific goals that come in underneath that are kind of your milestone mile marker goals. So these are like the, the posts where you can measure everything that you want to do. So let's say, um, you know, writing a book is what your overarching goal is. It, that's a really big task and it can seem like a big stretch. Um, but if you know that that's what you really want to do, then you break it down into the mile markers where you're saying, um, okay, so for this month, I really want to create the general outline of my book. And then my next mile marker would be to get that first draft written. And then, you know, the next step would be to have someone review it and critique it. Um, and so you're kind of making it more tangible and real, whereas the big goal is um, is basically writing down your vision um, and then putting some action steps to it. Awesome. All right, let's move on to part four. Let's get past this goal stuff. Let's talk about the money. Number four is map your money. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yes. Okay. So money is a big deal in business. No, Um, really? Oh, man. Craziest thing. I know. Um, You know, small business owners, entrepreneurs, we don't all have this problem. But I speak from a place of having, you know, money blocks my whole life or just, you know, some not necessarily negative concepts, but concepts around money that were not helpful. And I think um, in the space that I primarily work in, which is with creative entrepreneurs, a lot of people really struggle with the concept of money and money gets kind of pushed to the side like, oh yeah, yeah, of course I want to make money. Sure, yeah, I want to do that. But really I want to create art or really I want to serve people. And that's fantastic. And I think that that's absolutely what our, our main thing should be because I think we get better work accomplished that way overall. But that doesn't mean you can discount money and you you can't have a business unless you deal with money every single day so um, the money section is honestly it's pretty basic accounting um, and accounts setup which is looking at your expenses and your income and this is especially good for companies that are just starting because you're yes you're making these numbers up but you have to know that your business is feasible and so if you you know the steps in this process I start with expenses because that um, that usually gives you some cold hard numbers to work with and people go oh my god this business is going to be more expensive than I thought um, even though we have online businesses these days that have really low overhead um, there's still a lot of different um, little nuts and bolts that go into operating a business. So you've got our operating expenses and our cost of goods, what it takes to produce whatever it is that we sell, and to really get all those numbers down on paper so you can see this is what I'm going to have to charge for my products and services, and this is what it's going to take for me to accomplish my goals for example writing that book again so to figure out what it's going to actually cost you to produce a book and to spend the time and what you're going to have to ultimately charge for it what you sort of want to be able to spend in marketing it um, and again that's you know time and actual money um, to get all those things figured out then you you lay out these numbers and you say, all right, now I have a goal. I have an idea in mind. I know how much it's going to take for me to operate my business every single month through the course of the year based on what I am projecting to sell. 
Um, and this is the extra sort of that, um, that window that I think keeps a lot of people from pursuing the goals is because they kind of, those numbers get lost in the mix. They kind of forget that they're going to need more money than just what it costs to operate their business in order to take things to the next level because you have to make those investments wisely, um, but you have to be able to spend money sometimes to grow your business. Awesome, yeah, and you mentioned about how it's that's even important for people who want to start a business or like they're creating a business plan. Can you kind of walk through when you were starting Spark Collaborative and kind of what you did as far as mapping your money before you even got started? <laughs> um, well, I tell people all the time that I learn most of my lessons the hard way. Um, so, you know, one of the things when I started Spark, I had already had, I'd been an entrepreneur for um, seven years before that and two different but related business. So an interior designer and then my e-commerce company, which was design related. Um, so I, and I'd written business plans in school. And so I had gone through the actual business plan process, like, 10 times already and I'd written all these traditional business plans they're like 40 50 pages and I did everything by the book and they didn't do a thing to help my business and so when it came time to put spark together um and Spark actually started pretty organically. So by the time I got down to actually writing a business plan, I was like, okay, well, there's no way that I'm writing a traditional business plan. So I did something that was called a one-page business plan, which is um, it hits some of the elements um, at, that a, a traditional business plan would, kind of the, the big ones, and but it does it more in bullet points. So it's really forcing you to be very succinct with what it is that you want um, and, you know, not waste any stuff or add in fluffy things that aren't going to actually be useful for your business. So that was, that was the first part. So, um, the money aspect of it was essentially me figuring out that I was going to have very little overhead. So the way that my business is structured, um, all of my collaborators are contractors. So I don't have any employees in this company, um, except for a part-time assistant, Um, and myself. And so I knew that I really wanted the flexibility in my business model to not have a ton of overhead and to allow me to travel and work with people online and really go anywhere that I wanted to go with the business. And so I purposely structured it that way um, so that our overhead would be low and I would know exactly what was coming in and going out every month uh, and have a, a low baseline. So that's been the way that we've grown the business completely is by keeping our expenses really lean um, and, you know, and jumping in and charging too little at first and, you know, and figuring those elements out, what we actually need to charge, um, I didn't do that in the first place. You know, I just started by offering services at what I thought people would pay for them. Um, or sometimes if I had a savvier client, they would tell me what they would pay and I would say, okay, we'll do that. And sort of figuring it out that way. Um, that, you know, there's a lot of things, there's a lot of hidden costs in even providing services, even when I was the person doing all the hands-on work, there's still costs associated with that, um, that I didn't necessarily see in the beginning. All right. So let's rev it up with part five, design your action plan, roll with that. All right. So, um, the action plan is kind of pulling all the stuff together. So you have, if you can focus your action plan on each of your big picture goals. So let's say you had 
two or three of them. So one is a revenue goal. One is your book launch or whatever new product thing that you want to do. Um, and maybe a third goal is to take a vacation to Hawaii or something. So you, you map out each one of these goals. You break down the milestones. Um, and then you set the action steps that are going to um, accumulate to those milestones. So again, for maybe the book, the milestones would be to get your outline done, um, write your first draft, have somebody edit it or review it, and then you edit it, um, doing the book cover, those kinds of things. And then the action steps are like the little daily tasks that you're going to contribute to each milestone. So um, the book cover, as an example. So maybe you do the, your first action step would be to figure out the title of your book. The second one would be to pick your color palette, to do your sketches, or maybe your one single action step for that is to hire a graphic designer like Spark Collaborative to design your book cover. Um, but each of those things that are going to add up to the milestones, which will add up to that goal. Um, the next part of that is to list out all of the resources, and those are kind of two parts. So there's resources that you have and resources that you need, um, and that's, that's people, that's support, friendships, maybe mastermind groups, um, any of those things. And then there's you know the physical, tangible resources like the amount of cash that you'll need to have, um, the places that you might go for information. Um, and then you set due dates to each of your action steps so that you can hold yourself accountable or maybe even get an accountability partner so that someone else can hold you accountable to getting each of those things done so that overall you can see the progress through the course of, you know, whatever timeline you've set in getting to your goal. And I think having those things just kind of mapped out and having an action plan um, it really propels you forward because you can see in black and white then like, oh, well, I didn't contribute what I needed to for February. So I need to figure out how I can catch myself up for March. Or maybe I was being completely unrealistic back in December of 2014 and I need to reevaluate this a little bit and, you know, and let myself sleep at night. Um, but, you know, it's it's really having this action plan is really about setting the intention, having the accountability um, and really just keeping yourself conscious through this process so that it's not just good intentions. You're actually doing something that's going to move you towards your goal. And we don't always hit our goals. And I think that that's something that's important to, to tell people is that we don't always hit things or, you know, things don't always come to us in exactly the way that we think that they're going to. So I really talk a lot about creating that balance and, you know, giving yourself enough freedom because I think as entrepreneurs we are naturally really hard on ourselves um, and that's great in some ways because it helps us get done uh, but in a lot of other ways it's difficult to um, keep up our enthusiasm and energy and to really feel like we're doing our best work when we put all of these expectations and parameters that aren't necessarily healthy or you know realistic on ourselves so Having an action plan gives you sort of the format to follow um, to get things accomplished. But then I encourage people to just stay present while they're working through this to to be realistic. Awesome. And for anyone out there that's just like starting a business or thinking about it, as, as well as anyone that's wanting to grow a business – Follow those five steps and it's really good actually because you go right from reviewing and assessing perhaps your background or what you've done in the past right to designing your action plan and really how you're going to move forward and it kind of outlines everything from your money to your goals, your vision and so I really like that following that five-step process 
And also, Lindsay, I was on your website, and you kind of broke business down into three different facets, and that's development, operations, and marketplace. Can you kind of explain those three for us? Yes. So um, so development is everything that you are putting into the creation of your message and your identity, basically. So development is developing your business. Um, and... Uh, operations is the daily running of your business. So the components that it takes um, to get things done, the roles that you assign to yourself or to other people who are helping you, um, the accountability, all of the stuff that you know makes the wheels in your business turn. And the marketplace is uh, really sales and marketing. So it's the people that you're connecting with and the, the course of action for how you're going to get in front of them and interact with them and what you want that to look like. Awesome. Yeah, that was kind of a loaded question because I knew the marketplace was going to end in like marketing and advertising. And so <laughs> I wanted I wanted to ask you for us small business owners or someone that has a, a, a any sort of size business, can you kind of talk about how to track your impact of your advertising? Like for instance, I do a lot of like newspaper ads or like more print ads because I have a more local market, but then mm-hmm. someone else might be doing a lot of online video ads, YouTube video ads, whatever it might be, or pay-per-click. Can you kind of give us an idea of how to track that and then be able to use that information to go forward? Sure. Um, I think that it's very much dependent on the methods that you're using. Um, so you know, with social media, for instance, there are ways to track it and to actually see numbers, um, to know who's interacting with your stuff. And that's great. Um, but I think the, the overall measure is ultimately your bottom line. You know, how many people are you actually converting? Um, and how, how much, how much feedback do you get? If you send out a newsletter or, you know, a a blog post e-blast, are people writing you back or commenting on the blog and saying like, you know, that really struck a chord with me. Thank you. Um, I think that that's a huge measuring stick for whether or not you're making the right connections with people. Um, you know, with actual advertising, there are ways to see who it gets in front of. There's of course ways um, to measure what actions people take offline and online as well. Um, there's lots and lots of tools for, you know, looking at like your analytics on your website, or if you set up lead pages um, to see what actions people are taking based on what you said, and and that's a great way to track it. Um, I think you know, at the end of the day, my philosophy, our philosophy at Spark, is really that this is all about human connection, and we entrepreneurs we have a purpose. There is a reason that we're doing what we do, and I think that it all comes down to wanting to serve in some way or another. Um, and that's both ourselves and other people. Um, so I think that's important to remember as well. But making those appropriate human connections, I think, are what really propels small businesses in particular forward um, because they're much more on the ground with that. Awesome. Yeah. And you talked about how you're wanting to serve and make connections, human connections and relationships. And on your website, I also, wrote, I also read... Uh, it says great brands can impact and inspire, change behavior, raise awareness, and ultimately change the world. What, what's up with that? How, how can we do that with our brands? Yes. So, um, yeah, I think small businesses, like I said, we have a mission. We have a personal mission. And when you, like, in 
a larger sense, creating brand loyalty has meant driving sales. And I think creating brand loyalty is really when we as companies are able to have that emotional impact on another person um, and inspire them to do something. And so I think, you know, we've got a lot of our clients are in like health and wellness industries. And I think that that's probably a good example to sort of clarify this, which is that, you know, they have a personal mission to help other people be healthier or be happier or whatever it is that they're specifically doing. Um, and when you can create a brand that speaks to people in that way, and that's, you know, that's someone on the other side of the screen, for instance, who is reading that and saying like, I am so glad that I found this company. I've, I've either been looking for this or I didn't know I was looking for this. Like I, I need to connect with this company. I need to do something. Um, and when you get that with one person, that's fantastic. But when you get that as a collective, that's where we start to create movements of things. Um, like viral campaigns are a good example of that or things that go viral without trying to go viral. It's a really good example of that. It's people finding an outlet finally for them to connect with a message that they have either previously felt like they were alone in thinking or, um, you know, just not really known what part they could play in this message. And now we've created with the internet, we've created a platform where people can really come together on that message and make something happen. Awesome. And so, um, after that, I kind of want to tag with this because you talked about viral about how really connecting with people is all about brand. The brand loyalty is all about connecting with people, impacting and speaking to people. Uh, and I want to kind of go on a tangent here because on our last episode, we talked about the Super Bowl. We talked about all the ads that they have there and the millions of dollars that are spent on marketing. And I'll kind of want to ask you what your opinion is on that and what those Super Bowl ads do to connect or impact the people that watch them. Because there is no other time in a year where I can think where people will go and just watch ads just for fun, you know? But yeah, people absolutely. will do that for Super Bowl ads. Like, why? What's all the hype about besides the fact that they pay, you know, $4 million for 30 seconds? Yeah, well, I think that. Um, I think that the reason people are interested in Super Bowl ads is because that's when the the marketers out there really up their game in terms of creativity. And I think more than anything, it's you know you're you're seeing it a little bit more um, in regular life these days. But we want we like funny things. We like things that are lighthearted and that seem human and that don't commercials that don't just feel like they're selling something. And I think the Super Bowl ads are really geared towards telling stories and they're often funny and they're often quirky and sometimes really weird and out there. I think these marketers, these companies, because they're paying so much money, um, they're willing to take those risks because they know that that's what people are looking for. They want the riskier, more lighthearted, quirky ads. So, so, so am I going to see a Spark collaborative ad on Sunday? <laughs> well, it's a little bit out of our price range. <laughs> I think that American Express, I think, um, sponsored small businesses last year. Um, and so maybe maybe next year. Maybe we'll look into that next year. Um, but, yeah, I think, you know, the heightened creativity and the stories that, that people really tell. 
Fantastic. All right, well, let's kind of get in the meat and potatoes of our interview. Uh, here at the Business Boot Camp Podcast, our kind of tagline is start, grow, or save your business. So we're going to kind of walk through those, and I want you to kind of either tell us a story or give us some advice on let's start with starting a business. Can you kind of uh, walk us through that one, Lindsay? Sure. Um, so, yeah, so my advice for people who are starting a business, um, I always say really start with understanding what you want out of this. So what your overall goal is, again, that, that big goal, what do I want my business to be? Um, and then in the beginning stages, I, I want you to say yes a lot. So you know who you are, what you want, kind of the direction that you want to go, but you don't have all of the finite details of what that's supposed to look like or the exact path that you're supposed to follow. And at the beginning stages of business, you're not supposed to know. This is a journey. So you you know as much as you possibly can, and then you just start going out there and saying yes to opportunities that sound like learning experiences, um, you know, things that could lead to other things. Um, and in general, just allowing yourself that space to figure out what is right and what is wrong. And so accepting that you're not going to hit the mark every time. Awesome. All right. So let's say your start a business, everything's going good. For instance, you started Spark Collaborative. Was there ever a point where you kind of had to hit a point where you knew it was a tipping point or a time when you had to kind of make that big jump the next step? Um. I think we've had a lot of small tipping points. And then, yes, we've definitely had bigger tipping points um, as we were starting to grow the business. Um, but in, in the startup, if we're still talking startup phase, um, I honestly, I think everything is a turning point because every opportunity that you're presented with, you have to decide, is this a good idea or not? And my answer in the beginning was, either way, let's do it. Let's try it and see what happens. Um, and I think that that, again, while learning plenty of lessons the hard way, I think that that was really what gave us um, the clear answers that we needed to have for how we wanted to grow the business. Awesome. And you kind of referred to it. There's times where you have to learn from hard mistakes or anything like that. That there, there might be people out there that are trying to save their business or they're going through a, a hard time. Can you kind of tell us a little bit more about what happened to you as far as those mistakes that you made and how you kind of learned from them and then rebounded to your success? Sure. Yeah, I, um, I, I think, honestly, I mentioned this earlier, but the, the hardest thing that we have grappled with in this business is sort of the, the money aspect of it. I'm really understanding like what it takes to not just sustain but grow um, and, you know, and provide greater opportunities for our business. Um, so a lot of lessons came around dealing with clients or learning how to deal with clients. I think um, especially because we're a service-based company, but either way, whether you sell products or services, you're a service company. And you have to learn consumer psychology. You need to know what people want, what they expect from you, what's going to make them mad, and how you can fix it, um, hopefully before things escalate to to a place where you have to save your business. Um, but so a lot of our hard lessons have really been around um, figuring out how to effectively uh, and clearly communicate with clients um, to understand their needs, to, to not kill ourselves trying to make them happy. And then, of course, coming back to the money, like what we needed to charge to make all of that worth the time and effort that it takes to do it. 
can you um, tell us about a time that that didn't work out very well as far as uh, your service-based business dealing with people? Can you tell us about a time that didn't work out? Um, ultimately, it's always worked out. Um, but there are lots and lots of times, <laughs> lots of periods of time where it wasn't working out or hadn't worked out yet that were extremely stressful and frustrating, um, especially so like websites in particular. So we um, we do a lot of custom website builds and now our process is really clear and specific and we take people through um, the branding process first and then the, the graphic and the identity design, actual design work second and then the website design and development third. Um, so it really covers all the bases that we need to cover. But in the beginning, we had a lot of clients where, you know, they just wanted a website and they didn't really have the budget and they wanted it up quickly. And you kind of jump into these projects and you're trying to, um, to give everybody, to give people exactly what they want and it's impossible because they don't necessarily understand what they want. And we were just trying to be accommodating and didn't really have the the confidence or know-how to say, like, no, it's not going to work that way. This is how it has to go because we're the experts and we know what we're doing. Um, so, I mean, I this is a blanket example because it happened over and over again. But we would have website situations where the the whole purpose of a project was for us to get a website done quickly and to make it, you know, look good and just have it up quickly. And we would do all this work and like really bust our butts to get this done. And then the client would basically disappear because ultimately, since they didn't know what they wanted, they weren't really into it. So they're not giving you the copy that you need to have. They're not giving you the feedback that you need to have. They say that they want to put a picture up on this page, but you ask them 40 times for a picture and they're like, oh, I don't know. I'm, I'm really busy. I can't deal with that this week. And then your whole payroll is thrown off because you end up waiting for six months to launch a website that you had done a long time ago. Um, so it's that, it's the communication, I think, is the biggest part. The communication and anticipation of what people need, what they think they need, or what they think they want, and what you know needs to happen in order to make an effective product. Um, so I don't know if that really <laughs> answers your question. No, that's awesome. And so, kind of, let's wrap this thing up. Let's go for the home stretch. And I'm going to ask you what your favorite quote is and why you like it so much. Okay. Um, so... Can I have two? Um, okay. All right. Go for it. <laughs> okay. So the first one, this one's really quick. Um, I, I don't know who exactly started this, but the first one is feel the fear and do it anyway, because I think that's just such a, a great reminder of that we're constantly going to be facing things, especially as we're growing, um, that we just need to look at it and be like, okay, no matter how I feel, I'm going to go and do this anyway. Um, and then the other one, it kind of ties into it, is your future self will thank you. Um, again, don't know who said it, but I always, I say this to myself all the time because a lot of daily grind things just don't really seem that fun or exciting. Um, but I remind myself that my future self is going to look back on that and be like, that was awesome. Thank you so much for doing that because now I'm here. That's awesome. And, and I wanted to ask you, you said feel the fear and do it anyway. Were you afraid before you launched any of your businesses or like had any sort of apprehension? Um, yes, but in, 
in small ways constantly that I think that's it. Like I never had an overarching, like paralyzing fear that didn't allow me to do something or to start the business. But I, I think that every single thing along the way was in its own way, terrifying. Um, and so, you know, the biggest gains that I made in the business were the times where I actually did pick up the phone and make a phone call to a potential client. And I like every fiber of my being was like, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. And I'm like, nope, you got to do it. Your future self will thank you. So you got to do it. Was that cold calling that you were doing? Yeah, not necessarily. I don't think I've ever done a cold call, but I have done a lot of like someone will pass you a referral and then you're basically, I guess it is kind of like a cold call. It's, it's a new way. Like, oh, your friend told me about you and said you might need my services. Yeah, exactly. Or like going to a networking event by myself. I used to go with um, friends and then as like businesses change or, you know, people move away or whatever, then I'm like having to go out by myself and stand in a room and I'm a pretty like friendly, personable person, but I'm also really shy. Like breaking the ice is hard for me. So, you know, having to look at it that way and be like, okay, we're, I'm terrified to do this. I don't want to go up and say hello to this person, but I'm just going to because my future self and my future business needs me to do this. Awesome. Feel the fear and do it anyway. All right. So I'm going to give you 20 seconds. We're going to go for our sprint here at the end. And I want you to kind of share your tidbit of information that you think is most valuable for our listeners. Okay. When does the time start? Right now. <laughs> okay. So, um, yeah, the, this is all becoming an entrepreneur, becoming your best self is a process. And it includes all kinds of learning lessons for better or worse. So my advice is that wherever you are at right now, that is where you're supposed to be. Everything that you're going through is part of this journey and part of this process. It's all useful for you. And the best thing that you can do is accept where you're at um, and not resist against it because that's really what makes everything difficult um, and you know, it keeps you sort of repeating the same patterns that you've done before. So if you want to break through, if you want to become better, accepting where you're at now as a valuable part is is my best advice. Awesome. You were 10 seconds over, but it was well worth it. (laughs) (laughs) So like, yeah, you talked about how just accepting where you are. And I think it's valuable insight because some people that they're either looking back to where they, where they could be, say they started a company and they're not doing very well. They're like, Oh, I could be back at my other job making X, Y, Z amount of money. And then, or they're like, Oh, I just want to be in the future when I'm making better money in my business or like five years down the road. But if you just really stay at like, accept where you're at and really just kind of thrive, I think that's great, great insight there. All right. So before we wrap up, can you tell our listeners how they can connect with you? Sure. Um, so the best place is to go to my website, which is www.sparkcollaborative.com. Um, it's a long word, <laughs> so hopefully you'll have it in your show notes. Yeah, I definitely um, will. So that's the best spot. I have a blog there. I have the links to my social media there, um, but that's where I am most known on the website. Um, I have another website called websparklers.com, and so I'm not sure when this is airing, but we're just about to relaunch that as well. Um, And this is a website program for small business owners. It's fast and affordable website designs, um, gets people up and running in 30 days. We take all of the hassle and frustration out of building your website. Um, Our sites look awesome. They're specifically geared towards small companies, so it's got all the features that you need. Um, and it's designed to convert your visitors into customers. 
So we're just about to relaunch that program. Fantastic. All right, Lindsay. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. It was awesome to be with you. Thank you. I really, really appreciate it, Mike. All right, guys. I'm going to let you go early today because we are a little bit over time. But uh, awesome insight for today. Everything from the five-step process. You know, I like to call it like the five-step business plan, really, because it just includes everything that you need to start grow a company, taking that next step or getting started, it'll help you so much uh, tracking the money, setting your goals, seeing what your vision is, and uh, just an awesome insight there. Had some awesome insight also on brand loyalty, marketing, advertising, the whole gamut of everything. It was just awesome day to day. Great to have Lindsay on the show. And like she said, if you want to connect with her, get on sparkcollaborative.com and I'm sure you won't be disappointed. So until next time, guys, Make sure you get on the website, businessbootcamppodcast.com if you want the show notes. Those are going to be at the website, which is businessbootcamppodcast.com slash episode 12. Episode 12 today, guys. And also remember, if you want to get on our boot camp, we have already had one boot camp. But if you want to have it come on the show live and in person, get your questions answered about your business, get on a businessbootcamppodcast.com slash apply. Until next time, guys. Get to work, get starting, get growing, or saving your business. 